Welcome to Inside Pathology, a series where we bring you stories from the pathology services that support patient care. I'm Charlene Hode, one of the future leaders in innovation. In this episode, we'll discuss the role of the Clinical Transplant Lab in providing a 24-hour on-call service for the support of deceased donor organ transplantation across the southeast. We hear from Ali, a patient who had had a successful kidney transplant. So, like, I thought because I have like a lot of antibodies, I thought they would just—I'd go in, do some blood tests, and they'll tell me, "Okay, go home now." And from the many scientists involved in transplant services. Um, and the donor from the last pair then donates their kidney into the deceased donor waiting list. So this means that we can get four transplants from one donation. First, an introduction to organ donation. Organs can be donated from living or deceased donors. This can include pancreas, liver, heart, lungs, small bowel and tissue such as corneas, heart valves, skin and bone. One donor could potentially save up to nine lives. There are many popular misconceptions around organ donation. Some people think that having a medical condition means that you can't donate, but this isn't true. Every organ is assessed at the time of donation to make sure it is suitable. For example, most people can be eye donors. It doesn't matter if you have poor eyesight. Age isn't a barrier either, as there is no limit. In 2019, there were 3,941 transplants performed with 4,298 organs, but there were 6,077 patients waiting for a transplant at the end of March 2019. Around three people die each day in the UK waiting for an organ. The law has changed to save and improve lives. This came about through tireless campaigning for an opt-out system by a family whose son, Max Johnson, received a heart transplant from Kira Ball, who passed away from a road traffic accident in 2017. Max and Kira's law now means that all adults in England will be considered organ donors unless they record the reason not to donate or in one of the excluded groups. Barrow Wing of Guy's Hospital is home to the Clinical Transplantation Laboratory, or CTL for short. This is a small busy team of 18 members of staff, consisting of medical laboratory assistants, biomedical scientists and clinical scientists. The lab is split into two sections, DNA and serology. One of the role of the lab is to assess the risk of transplanting kidneys by testing whether the recipient will reject the donor's kidney. The test looks for antibodies directed to the human nucleoside antigen, or HLA for short. Karina Freeman is Operations Manager and Deputy Director of the lab, here to explain more about the science behind what we do. Yeah, so the human leukocyte antigen, or HLA, uh, they're molecules that are found on the surface of most cells of the body. And there's two main types that the lab is interested in, and they're known as HLA class 1 and HLA class 2. The two classes have got quite similar normal functions in that they present small pieces of peptide to the immune system for self-checking. In the case of an infection with a virus that would be inside the cell or a bacteria that comes from outside the cell, the HLA molecule may present peptide that comes from that pathogen. Uh, And then other immune cells called T lymphocytes are then able to interact with those HLA molecules via their T cell receptor. And where there's any non-self peptide detected, an immune response may follow and that leads to the activation of the immune system and eventually destruction of the pathogen. So HLA presents peptides for the immune system to kick in when it doesn't recognise a peptide as our own. To present a a variety of these peptides, HLA is polymorphic, which means it differs between individuals. In the DNA section of our lab, we perform HLA typing for individuals and Karina tells us why. Of the two main classes of HLA, one and two, there are actually thousands of different variants in the population. Uh, The class one molecules are from three genes found on chromosome six 
and the HLA class 2 molecules are also from genes found on chromosome 6. Each person will have two copies of each of the genes, half inherited from their mother and half from their father. The laboratory performs tests on DNA to determine which variants of the genes each person has, which we call HLA typing. This helps us to determine which HLA molecules will be expressed on the surface of their cells. This information is then used to look at the differences between the potential donor and recipient. In CTL, HLA typing is performed with a few techniques, most often PCR-SSO, which stands for polymerase chain reaction sequence-specific oligonucleotides. We extract DNA from each patient's blood, amplify and use DNA capturing technologies to determine the genetic variants in their HLA genes. By looking at the pattern of positive and negative beads, an HLA type can be determined. The software is used to do the analysis, but a person must check the results carefully and, if necessary, adjust the cutoffs of each bead in order to give a clear reaction. So once we have the patient and potential donor HLA type, we can determine the mismatches. In the serology section, we determine whether the recipient has any HLA antibodies directed to mismatch antigens by taking a serum sample to perform an antibody test which also uses bead, but they have HLA proteins on their surface. The serum is mixed with the beads, HLA antibodies will bind, and we can see if the patients have antibodies from past exposure. Why is this important? Okay, so, so yes, you're right. The mismatches in the HLA type between the donor and recipient mean that there will be different HLA molecules on the donor kidney when compared to the patient's own HLA molecules. It's important to test, as these antibodies can be detrimental to the transplant, if it contains any of the same HLA molecules from the previous exposure. For each patient on the transplant waiting list, we record HLA antigens that they cannot accept. Dr Olivia Shaw is a consultant clinical scientist of CTL, and here she explains the impact on patients. Well, there are two main immunological barriers to transplantation. The first is ABO blood group compatibility. So we need the donor and recipient to either be matched at ABO or to be compatible to avoid rejection. And then the second is HLA antibody compatibility, which is where CTL come in. So HLA antigens are incredibly diverse within the population and unfortunately they're also highly immunogenic, which means that if you're exposed to a non-self HLA antigen um, and you're not taking immunosuppressant medication, then generally a strong immune reaction will occur. And one of those outcomes, in similarity to other immune reactions, is that you'll go on to form antibody that's specific to the non-self HLA antigen to which you were exposed. And generally, people are exposed um, either through a previous transplant, through blood transfusion, or through pregnancy. If we then transplanted our patient um, with a donor who expresses the antigen to which the patient produces antibody, then you're going to see a rapid antibody-mediated rejection response and the graft will ultimately be destroyed. So one of the ways that we avoid this is to screen all of our patients who are on the waiting list for a deceased donor transplant or who are being worked up for a living donor transplant. And we screen them every three months for the presence of HLA-specific antibody. If we find and confirm antibody, we then register the HLA antigens to which they produce antibody as being unacceptable at ODT. And this means then, in theory, that a patient will never be offered a donor organ against which they produce antibody. Obviously, the more HLA antigens a patient produces antibody to, and which are therefore unacceptable, the harder it's going to be to find them a compatible donor organ. 
So at the moment, a patient who produces no HLA-specific antibody has a, a waiting time on average of between two and a half and three years, whereas patients who produce high levels of antibody have an average waiting time of seven years, although we know in reality that these patients all wait a lot longer, and we have a number of patients who've been waiting 20 years or more, um, and often they'll just never receive an offer. The presence of HLA antibodies can result in the rejection of the donated kidney. The more HLA antibodies a patient has reduces the number of potential compatible donors available to them. In turn, this can mean waiting longer for a transplant. CTO is important because without these tests, we wouldn't be able to safely match recipients with potential donors. How does deceased donor organ donation happen in the UK? Before organs can be offered nationally, they're urgently HLA typed by a local lab like us. The HLA type of the donor is sent to organ donation and transplantation, or ODT, who coordinate the matching of donors to patients anywhere in the UK. This is called a matching run, and the recipient run at the top of the list is offered the kidney. Kamala Reddy is Head of Serology, here to discuss what happens when a patient at our centre is offered a potential kidney. We ensure the patient is compatible with a potential kidney donor by first assessing their HLA antibody history. If the patient is unsensitised, by this we mean that they are antibody negative and they have not had any sensitising events like a previous transplant, pregnancies or recent blood transfusion. If this and other criteria is met, then a virtual cross-match can be reported. So this means that no pre-transplant laboratory tests are required. If the patient is sensitised, as in they have HLA antibodies, then a prospective cross-match needs to be performed. This involves getting peripheral blood or PBLs from the potential donor pre-organ retrieval and separating lymphocytes from blood and then combining these cells with stored patient serum samples. If the cross-match is negative, then the transplant can proceed. What is the typical turnaround time of the lab tests and why are timing so important? A typical cross-match can take anything between two and a half to three hours. Timings are important to reduce cold ischemia time and prevent a delay in transplanting the kidney. This is the time the kidney is retrieved till the time the kidney is transplanted. Studies have shown increased cold ischemia time may cause delayed graft function, acute rejection and graft failure. Having a negative cross-match result or a virtual cross-match pre-transplant ensures no delay for the surgical team and the transplant can go ahead as soon as the kidney arrives. You may know someone who has donated a kidney. This organ has the important job of filtering your blood, which keeps you healthy. Unfortunately, our kidneys can fail and although patients can have their blood filtered by a dialysis machine, a transplant is required long term. To tell us why, here's Miss Hannah Maple, clinical lecturer in transplant and general surgery at Guy's and St Thomas's. So the commonest reasons for kidney failure are hypertension, so high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, um, and a group of conditions called glomerulonephritis. And there's lots of different uh, types of glomerulonephritis. Um, some of these problems can recur in the transplanted kidney. So um, you need to warn the patients uh, about this before they have a transplant. Um, the reason why we don't like patients remaining on dialysis indefinitely is because Dialysis itself is quite harmful to patients. Um, it puts them at significant risk of cardiovascular disease. So the commonest cause of death in people who are waiting for a transplant, um, things like heart attacks and strokes. CTL is a small piece of a big puzzle of accepting a deceased donor organ. Who else is involved in this process? 
best way to describe this is that transplantation or deceased donor transplantation is a masterpiece of organisation um, and includes many, many people uh, as part of the process. I suppose it begins um, with uh, NHS Blood and Transplant in a, in a department called The Hub, who basically coordinate the whole thing. Um, they are basically involved in the organ offering process. They will identify uh, through the algorithm who um, has been identified as a, as a potential recipient, and they will then make the necessary phone calls to the different transplant centres. Then you have to think about the donor end. So that involves the intensive care team, the specialist nurses for organ donation, who are also known as SNODs, um, and also the theatre team. Um, and obviously those organs then need to be retrieved. So you have a retrieval team um, as part of a, a system called NORS, which is the National Organ Retrieval Service. Um, and then within that service, you've got an abdominal team, plus minus a thoracic team, which includes ambulance drivers, surgeons, nurses, um, and also an army of drivers who then distribute the organs once they've been uh, retrieved um, across the country. And then you think about what's happening at the recipient end. So once we get a phone call to say that there's a potential organ for somebody, um, we then discuss that as the surgeons with our medical colleagues. Um, there's an army of junior doctors and nurses who help get the patient ready. There's the theatre team, which includes the anaesthetist, uh, the nursing staff and all, all the other allied anaesthetic staff. And then there's yourselves in the cross-matching team, the lab staff, which processes all the blood tests and so on for the recipient. Um, and also our dialysis nurses who come in and, and look after the patients if they need dialysis before a transplant. But I mean, essentially, our role at the recipient end is to um, work out whether, firstly, uh, this person is fit for an operation, whether they can have that kidney today. Um, the second part is, can this person have this particular kidney? And obviously, that's where you guys come into uh, the mix. So that's the cross match. Um, and then finally, is the kidney suitable? Um, so we um, take the kidney or whatever organ we've accepted down to theatre. We have a look at it. We want to make sure that there's no damage, that there's no tumours um, and nothing on that kidney that makes it untransplantable. Um, and if you tick all of those boxes, finally, many, many hours later, um, you get your organ transplant. I hope you can appreciate that transplantation is a complex process. Logistics are a major part of a septum organ, and this comes with its own challenges. Uh, very rarely do things go beautifully smoothly uh, with all the will in the world. Even though you can be really organised and you can plan things to perfection, um, there are lots of little hiccups that can occur along the way. Um, and that's mainly because you are a very small or local part of a very big um, national process. I think... Things start to get really stressful when you realise the clock is ticking um, on the organ because ultimately our main aim is to get the organ transplanted as quickly as possible. The main thing you need to identify uh, and mitigate are the things that are likely to slow you down and you have to accept that there are some things that you can control and that there are other things that you can't control. So in the world of kidney transplantation, you need to make sure that the recipient is ready and that involves getting them into the hospital keeping them starved so they can have an anaesthetic and making sure that they have all the tests and investigations that they need, working out whether they need dialysis or not. You also need to be really, um, it's really crucial that you keep an eye on what's going on in theatres. So um, make sure that the anaesthetist has come and seen the patient, that there's space for you to prepare the organ 
um, and then get the patient uh, down to the operating theatre. I think in summary, what's, what's important is to appreciate that this is a massive team effort um, and the whole thing wouldn't really work uh, without everybody playing their individual part. What is it like to wait for a transplant? Annie Versi is a patient who has kindly agreed to speak about his experience. Due to the presence of high levels of HLA antibodies, Ali was on the national waiting list for years before he was offered a suitable donor. He was on dialysis three times a week. He received his second transplant in November 2019 after a long wait. So I was sleeping. It was like, I think, 7.30 in the morning, 7.30ish. So like, I thought, because I have like a lot of antibodies, I thought they would just, I'd go in, do some blood tests and they'll tell me, okay, go home now. Um, So then I went into the hospital. I got breakfast. I went into the hospital. Then they told me I'm nil by mouth, so I couldn't eat the breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Nil by mouth means patients are restricted from eating or drinking, and it's an instruction typically given before surgery. Ali waited on the renal ward that morning for the results of the pre-transplant test, potentially hours away from major surgery. After hours of waiting, it was then time to go to theatre. When he woke, he had a new kidney, and this changed his day-to-day life. I feel like I have a lot more energy. I don't have the, you know, like the cycle, you dialyse, you get really tired, mm-hmm. and then you slowly recover, and then dialysis yeah. again, you get really tired. Um, like diet and fluid intake, I can eat and drink. Like, I can't potentially go anywhere now, holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So on dialysis, like, I used to wake up a lot, like, every half an hour with, like, restless leg syndrome. So now I don't get that. No, so you can actually... the whole night. Yeah, that sounds amazing that, you know, this kidney transplant has changed your life. Yeah, it has, yeah. Ali was on the transplant waiting list for five years. Although transplant is never guaranteed, Ali's story has a happy ending. His experience shows how important CTL is to patient care. But of course, it is not CTL alone. Patients with high levels of HLA antibodies, such as Ali, can take longer to find a suitable donor. Decisions on how to improve the likelihood of these patients finding a donor are aided by the consultant clinical scientist, Dr Livershaw at CTL, and other members of a multidisciplinary team. Yes, so these difficult to transplant patients present a real problem to the team. So as Ali outlined um, in his chat And as we are all aware, life on dialysis is incredibly challenging for patients. But also we mustn't forget that it's not a long-term solution and ultimately it is a life-limiting situation. Um, And also maybe at perhaps a more callous level, um, from a society point of view, keeping a patient on dialysis is incredibly costly to the healthcare system. So really a transplant is the best way forward all round. So because of this, we spend an awful lot of time discussing and working on these patients to try and give them the best possible chance of receiving an organ offer. So our very difficult to transplant patients are discussed at fortnightly MDT meetings um, and the people that are present include myself from CTL, but also we have consultant surgeons, nephrologists and our coordinator nursing team. Before these meetings, I spend uh, quite a lot of time assessing each of these patients and looking at their current antibody profile. And I look to see essentially if I can make any changes that are going to improve the chances of that patient receiving an offer. So this will generally involve deciding if there are any HLA specific antibodies that may be at a lower level and maybe less clinically significant that we could potentially ignore and allow a transplant to happen. 
Um, once I've looked at the profile, we then very handily have some calculator tools available that allow me to then simulate what the chances are and what changes there are to the chances of receiving a transplant offer based on the different antibody profiles. And this then lets us balance the smallest changes to give the best improvement in chances and hopefully the best outcome. But really what we can't forget at the end of this is I can play around as much as I like. The risk of transplanting across these antibodies can be incredibly significant. Um, and if it goes wrong, it leads to lengthy hospital stays. It can lead to quite significant intervention treatments for the patient and also loss of the graft. And sadly, in the most severe cases, we have seen death of the patient. So it really is a wider team discussion. Um, and we include in this the patient's fitness to actually receive a transplant. So they may be fit to receive a normal transplant, but they need to be super fit to be able to receive a, a high risk transplant. And also we look at how well they're currently doing on dialysis. If they're coping well and it's not really significantly impacting their life, then maybe the urgency to transplant isn't quite so great. But we do have patients who run out of dialysis access um, or they're just not coping very well. Um, and therefore their situation has become quite urgent because they will need a transplant to carry on living. And then finally, we also need to look very regularly at whether there are any potentially compatible organ donors available that would obviously be the first option. So once we have all of this information, we then decide as a team what we believe the best option will be for that patient. We then need to take that information back to the patient and they need to be fully aware of any risks um, and benefits for them um, before we make any changes. So yes, it really is a big team effort involved. As you can see, the decision to proceed with a transplant requires a team of experts to carefully minimise risks while making it likely as possible for patients to receive a transplant. In the UK, organ donation is also made more likely by the paired-pooled scheme. This is a scheme that was introduced in the UK in 2012, and it was really introduced as a way to increase the number of living donor transplants that we perform. So up until now, I've only really talked about the deceased donor transplant option, but actually about 35% of kidney transplants in the UK are from living donors. And these transplants really are a better option. They give significantly better outcomes than the deceased donor transplants. So we will always explore those as a first option with every patient. But sadly, about 50% or up to 50% of our living donor and recipient pairs that come forward for assessment are incompatible, either due to being blood group incompatible or due to the presence of donor HLA-specific antibody in the recipient. So in the days before the sharing scheme, these donors were generally written off as an option and were allowed to toddle off on their way. But now we like to keep hold of them. And what we do is to try and achieve a match through the sharing scheme. So essentially to do this, our incompatible pairs from across the UK are entered into a central scheme run by organ donation and transplant and they perform matching runs approximately every three months to see if we can identify reciprocal donor swaps. So this is where the donor of one pair will donate to the recipient of another and vice versa. So the most simple way to do this is a, a basic two-way swap, which just involves two recipient and donor pairs. But there may also be three-way swaps involving three pairs, which gets a little bit more logistically complicated, but does ensure more patients are transplanted. And then more recently, we've introduced uh, another level of complication, which are domino chains. And this is where a kidney is donated by a living altruistic donor who, for whatever reason, very kindly just wants to donate a kidney to anyone. 
Um, we then use this donation to lead uh, to a donation chain. Um, at the moment, we limit this to three recipients to try and keep it as less complicated as possible. Um, and the donor from the last pair then donates their kidney into the deceased donor waiting list. So this means that we can get four transplants from one donation. Um, it's now the most successful scheme in the world in, in terms of sharing schemes and has allowed us as a nation to perform a large number of living donor transplants in patients, including our very highly sensitised ones, for whom we previously would have really struggled to find a donor. In the UK, we're lucky to have one of the most advanced organ donation systems in the world, but transplant patients are some of the most vulnerable. At the time of recording, the world continues to battle the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. To end this episode of Inside Pathology, we asked Hannah to describe how kidney transplantation at Guy's has been affected by this crisis. Oh, well, uh, in summary, it's completely changed everything. Um, I think the main thing to say is that our patient cohort are automatically in the relatively vulnerable group because they are people with chronic disease um, and transplant patients are also in a vulnerable group so this whole group of patients were encouraged to shield at the beginning of COVID. Um, in London we had a huge number um, of COVID cases so all of the transplant programs um, were suspended um, and it's only really recently that we've started uh, transplanting again. In terms of how we're working things on a day-to-day -day basis, um, patients are encouraged to um, self-isolate as much as they possibly can, um, observe strict social, social distancing. Um, but obviously it's really difficult for a lot of our patients to stick to that um, and stay at home because they have jobs, they have families and they have a life. Um, in terms of elective work it's slightly easier so you can plan uh, for people to self-isolate with their families um, in advance but for the deceased donor group what we're having to do is do a rapid covid test on admission that even though it on the tin it says it takes 90 minutes in reality it takes about six hours to get back and obviously we have to factor that into our cold ischemia time um, so in summary, it's really just made everything a lot more complicated, um, but also has meant that we're very limited in terms of who we can actually uh, transplant. That brings us to the end of this episode of Inside Pathology. We've learned about the science behind CTL, the impact of organ donation on patients, and the complex team effort that makes it all possible. The Clinical Transplantation Lab is an essential part of the system that ensures patients get the right transplant at the right time. The organ donation law in the UK has changed from an opt-out system in 2020, and there's plenty of information on the website organdonation.co.uk for individuals to make an informed decision. We'd like to thank everyone who helped make this episode possible, especially Ali Versi, Olivia Shaw, Karina Freeman, Kamala Reddy, Hannah Maple.